guys. You're listening to Mama Knows Podcast with your host, Nina Cavajola, aka Balconina. Join in weekly as she walks alongside you to navigate topics around motherhood, mental health, self-love, and relationships. The good, bad, and funny. Do you have a kid that has behavioral challenges at home and then you're so worried that they're going to have those same behavioral challenges in school or you already have a child that has diagnosed behavioral challenges or you had a child that had behavioral challenges in school in the past years. This episode is for you. I'm talking to a school counselor who is on a team that specifically handles and deals with kids who have behavioral challenges. I don't like to say deals with. I feel like they just have chosen this path and this is their job and they're just amazing at it. But they're the ones that nurture these children. They're the ones that help these kiddos overcome these behavioral challenges or give them certain coping mechanisms in the schools. I love this episode because I personally learned so much from Nicole. She's our school counselor we're talking to today. And I actually just feel so much better knowing that all of these resources are available to us and our kids as they get into school school. So let's jump into this episode. Hi, Nicole. I'm so excited to talk with you. You're a school counselor. And you know, did you know I wanted to be a counselor before I became a nurse? That was like my dream job is to be a school counselor. (laughs) I also felt like I didn't really, I didn't really see my school counselor much in I get the the one time I remember meeting my school counselor was in high school and they just wanted to talk about what I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) That was like my one memory for my school counselor. And I'm curious, you don't have to answer this right now, but I am curious how it has, have things changed? Like are counselors more involved or is it just like specific kids that get to see them? Anyways, today we're going to talk about behavioral challenges in children in schools. And I'm so excited about this topic because it's so taboo. And I feel like parents just don't know like what behavior is typical, what behavior is not typical, and what do I need to do about it? So before we dive in, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. So my name is Nicole. I'm really excited to be here because I actually started following you when you were pregnant with Dom. Yeah, and I was pregnant so long ago. Yeah, I know. My son's a few months um, older than Dom. So I feel like I've been here for the ride. Oh, um, yeah. I am a mom of two really awesome little ones. Being a mom is something I've wanted to be since I was as long as I can remember. Um, I am an educator. I work in a charter school in Rhode Island and I love it so, so much. We at this school, as many others, have seen the effects of COVID hit really hard socially and emotionally. So my biggest push is to help prepare for and sustain social and emotional well-being in the students I serve, but also my own student. I mean, my own children because I'm a mom. Mm -hmm. So I feel like my job is very flowy. Right. I do. Yeah. I work at school, but I try to use a lot of the same strategies at home with my own children. I love that. So do you explain to me like what your day looks like as a counselor in the role that you're in? Because I, I don't I don't know. I think it's so interesting to hear about what people's jobs are during the day because I people message me all the time. I'm like, 
I'm an influencer, obviously. And they're like, what do you do all day? And I'm like, you know, that's a good question. Cause like, how do you, people don't know, you know, I could be just sitting here picking my butt, but uh, what does your day look like? You get to work and then how often are you seeing kids? Are you like in, do you have charts for kids? Like record? I don't know. I'm a nurse. So like we have charts, you know, on patients, like how does it look like for you as a counselor? I think that a lot of that is where I am right now in my job. I've worked in a high school, middle school and elementary school. Um, And as an elementary school counselor, I'll have to say it's my favorite. I'm with kids all day. Mm -hmm. except if there's a meeting. So I come in and I teach every morning. I teach in one class every morning, a social and emotional lesson. Um, And then I have, last year I had 12 lunch bunch groups throughout the school that I'm pulling kids and we're working on gaps that they may have socially, emotionally. But I also am part of the team that is called when a child is in crisis or having any behavioral challenges. In our school, we're lucky to have two teachers in every class, Um, but say they're both pulling small groups and they're not able to divide their attention or something is just becoming unsafe, then I'm the person that is called and part of that team to help de-escalate that situation. Mm -hmm. But I am with kids all day and I really wouldn't have it any other way. Mm, I love it. So how do you pick what kids you're with? Is is there like a criteria? I want to say it's very gray right? There's no black and white. There's no like specific chart. You do this, then you get to see Miss Burke. Um, Our staff work really closely together, but there's a system. We call it um, BRTI, Behavioral Response to Interventions. Um, And so we have a system where teachers are able to log behaviors that are atypical, Mm -hmm. uh, behaviors that you wouldn't normally see, or you wouldn't, they're not desirable. And those could be like difficulty managing your emotions. So say there was like a really small incident that caused a very large reaction, unable to separate from adults. So separation anxiety, which is so, it's just so prevalent. Everyone is is noticing that it's really hard to separate from your adults in your family. Um, Mm -hmm. But there are are students who have destructive behaviors. So maybe they are ripping things off the wall or they are eloping, which means they are running away from the building. Um, I do get a lot of steps in the day. So um, I'm able to... Chasing kids around. (laughs) (laughs) But they're really fast. So I've learned and with my two at home, I feel like I'm in like pretty decent shape. Um, Could always work on it, but... A big thing, I think, is a safety concern. So I'm always called if there's a safety concern, like biting, kicking, or any sort of body control. So those are things that are atypical that a teacher might need support with. Okay, so you kind of you kind of answered my next question, but I want to dig a little bit further. I love that you just named off a few things as far as what behaviors you intervene with. But as an educator, like not even just you, but like a teacher, how do they determine if a student has behavior challenges? Is this something that's in place beforehand? Is this something that you uh, have like a criteria for? Yes. So when I think about this question, there's kind of two buckets. I'm going to use an example of like incoming kindergarten students for this. Mm. When so we have 90 new kindergarten students starting with us in two weeks. That's 90. A lot. <laughs> um, there are going to be a handful of students coming into this class that already have a diagnosis and a team that is supporting them. Uh-huh. One thing, and I'm like a little bit of a geek when it comes into like data, but 
The CDC says that one in six children in the U.S. from ages two to eight, which is 17 percent, already have a diagnosis of a mental behavioral or developmental disorder. That is a large percentage. That's millions of children. And so 90 students coming into kindergarten, there's going to be a handful of them that are coming to us with this diagnosis already in place. And that is almost at a gain to us because they have a team supporting them. They have a pediatrician, they have a therapist, um, they have a support system. And so they are coming to us with all of that information, including something like an IEP, a 504, which comes with accommodations that may help their behavioral needs. But with that being said, in those 90 students that are coming, there's going to be a handful that do not have a diagnosis and may have an underlying need. I was just going to say, like, what if you're a parent who didn't take or like just didn't know you were like, oh, it's fine. Everything's fine. It's normal. Like my kid's fine. And and then all of a sudden someone tells you your kid has atypical behaviors. How many of those do you see? You said handful, right? Would you would you say that the kids that come in that have already a diagnosis, how did those parents figure it out? Like what resources? I, I'm just brainstorming for the listeners that have littles who aren't going into school yet, but maybe you're thinking, wait, how do I know if my kid has right. behavioral challenges? It's there's very varying paths. So one might be a preschool that has early intervention and maybe they are noticing Mm. some of these um, behaviors. It could be a parent who has maybe a gut feeling and they talk to their pediatrician. And sometimes these behaviors are are so noticeable in, in public or at home that a parent feels the urge to act upon them. Sure. I wouldn't stress because there's like my son, Jake, is going into kindergarten. He's amazing, but he's also, I don't know how to politely say he's a lot. He's, Mm -hmm. he's mine and I love him and he's so fierce and adventurous and kind, but there are some things that I wonder if in kindergarten, the teacher is going to say, Hey, Nicole, like we need to talk. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's something that I'm wondering as a parent, but I know that he will be okay So I know that when these parents are entrusting us with their children, it's our job to help them with needs that may arise. So Mm -hmm. say a scholar or a student comes in and they have a really hard time following a one-step direction or their body is really out of control. We have a team of people and I'm part of that team that helps identify what the next step is. Mm -hmm. So a teacher will log that information Um, I will maybe pull that child into a lunch bunch where that's what we're working on a certain skill. And if that doesn't help in any way, then maybe they need to go to our SST team, which is like a, a student support team, which most schools have. And we're able to see, does this child need um, work with the occupational therapist? Does this child need individual counseling from a social worker? There's a lot of, things that we can do to help support a child. We just want to make sure that we are acting quickly Mm -hmm. because no one wants to sit in a classroom and they're not being seen or heard. And Mm -hmm. there are things that we can do to help support them. Yeah. There's one thing that really stood out to me that I really want to highlight and make sure everyone listening is hearing also the number that you said, one out of six, seven, six or seven. One out of six. 
one out of six kids has a behavioral challenge, which is so big. That's common. And it it makes me want to say like, this is so normal. Your kid is not broken, right? Like right. as a parent myself, like we have, Nicole and I talked off, off. No, we, we said this at the beginning. We have kids the same age. So mm-hmm. I can relate to you. Like we're sending off our kid into this all day, every day public setting. And to us, our kids feel like a lot. They may or may not be a lot in, in a classroom setting, but I think it is every parent's fear, no matter what behaviors your child has. I think it is every parent's fear that your kid is going to be quote unquote too much for someone else. And guess what? We're all too much for someone else. I'm too much for a lot of people. My husband is too much for me sometimes. So I just want parents listening to know that us talking about behavioral challenges doesn't mean that your kid is broken. It just means that there are resources and your kid can be helped and there are things we can do for your child to to help them adapt in this environment. So I just really wanted to highlight that number because it just goes to show how we are all all neurodivergent. We all have messy brains, right? Yes, I couldn't agree more. And I'm lucky to be in a job where I see the growth, right? So I see the kindergartners coming in crying in September and leaving as for like going into first grade. They are confident, they are ready. And so I'm able to see that. But a lot of parents, they're stressed and they're worried because they're sending their baby into school not knowing if it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I also love as a parent myself, I, this is my first time sending my child to school. Like this is my oldest. So I love, I've been talking to teachers for the last couple of weeks for my podcast series. We're doing a whole teacher series right now. We're in the middle of it. And I've been talking to teachers and I've just felt so at ease hearing how prepared our educators are and how I'm trying not to cry here. Hold on. Every episode, I'm trying not to cry because I'm just so thankful for teachers and educators and the people in the school systems who are literally like angels for our children. So I feel so at ease hearing all of these resources available for our kids. And I just hope all the parents listening can also feel what I feel because you're sending off your kid to be literally taken care of by strangers all day, every day. And my biggest fear is like, are they going to be heard? Are they going to be seen? Are, are his emotions going to be welcomed? Is he going to be punished? Like all these things go through my head. And um, I just want to highlight, like, I love that you have this resource in, in your school. And it sounds like it's a common resource in most schools, right? Um, so I do love that. And I love hearing from educators and how passionate you guys are about what you do. Yeah, it's definitely something that I knew from a small child, something I wanted to do. And I couldn't imagine. I always tell people like, I don't want to work with adults. I gave like a very long professional development yesterday and I was sweating because it was talking to adults, but put me in a room of children. And I just feel like most at ease because they really love with their whole heart and they mean yeah. well. And They're so not we just... jaded like us grownups. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Okay, let's shift the focus on to parents because we want to know what we can do for our kids. You mentioned already like 
we can talk to our pediatrician. We can do early childhood intervention, like things that if our gut feelings are telling us what to do for our behavior challenged children. However, what are some simple things we can do at home before school starts to get our littles prepared emotionally and to be able to deal with those big feelings that might be leading them to these behavioral challenges in school? So this question, I feel like is so important to me as a mom, because these are the things I've been trying to work on Jake, right? We work with Jake and making sure that he's prepared for kindergarten. And one of the biggest thing is just talking about and validating the range of feelings. I am not a perfect mom by any means, but when I ask him about kindergarten, I try to be really specific and not putting words in his mouth. So I don't say, are you excited about kindergarten? Are you nervous? I just say, how are you feeling about kindergarten? Because it literally changes depending on the time of day that I ask him. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to reassure him that any feeling he has is valid and that I'm here to talk about it. Um, So something I try to say to him is, what is something you're looking to try? Or are there any questions that you might have? And since I have been very mindful in doing that, our conversations they're very long. I didn't expect him to hold such a great conversation, but when I let him own that conversation and lead how we were going to talk about it, um, it was so great. And it's something that I really urge all parents to try. Yeah. So asking an open-ended question versus insinuating a feeling. Um, I'm actually, that's a really good advice. I'm all about talking about feelings and welcoming all feelings, but I think I could be better at saying, how are you feeling about this versus are you excited or are you nervous? And, um, because a lot of times the feelings that we're naming towards them are the things that we're feeling, right? Like I'm nervous. (laughs) (laughs) I dropped my son off at camp this morning and I could tell it, it he was not having it. And I made the assignment. I said, are you nervous? He goes, of course I'm nervous. And Aww. I was like, it's such a So I just try to be really mindful when having those conversations. One thing that I've noticed with Dom, he's going to 4K. Um, he's going to be like the oldest kid. I've explained this a million times in all the other episodes, but he's um, a summer birthday. So he's going to be in 4K. But to me, that feels big, right? It's like pre-kindergarten. Anyways, Um, He knows he's going. He knows that's what's going to happen. And I know he's anxious and nervous and whatnot. And I've noticed since we've been talking about it a little bit more lately, he starts in a couple weeks. He he's been way more whiny. His behavior has been a lot more baby ish. And I can tell that he's just really struggling with knowing what's coming. And I'm having I'm like struggling navigating it because he's like resorting back to baby baby talking and all this stuff. And I know this is all very typical, but that's another thing I wanted to shout out is for parents to know that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but that's pretty typical. When a child senses a change coming, their behavior is going to reflect their anxieties and stress about it. You couldn't be more right. I I feel like our homes are probably very similar right now. My mm-hmm. son is he just needs a lot of attention. He always mm-hmm. wants to be on top of me. He he wants a lot of affirmation. And that's what I'm trying to provide because I know it's going, it's just a phase. Yeah. Yeah. So they, what I, and it's scary for them. They're, they're big boys now. They're big kids now. And um, them you know, up until five, usually kids 
and maybe it's four. I don't know. I read this, but kids feel like they're one of you. They're literally one of you. Whereas around five, their brain's like, oh, wait, no, I'm my own person now. And that's scary. It's it's exciting, but scary too. They're like becoming their own person. But at the same time, like, I still want my mom to protect me. Yeah. And I think it's important for us to help them navigate that and give them a lot of I always wonder if this is a word, comfortability. It has to be because I use it all of the time, but I try to bring comfort in his day. Yeah. And so one thing that I think is really important for parents to know is I'm trying my best to talk about it as much as possible in a very natural way. So I've been driving by his new school a lot. Hey, look at this playground. Wow, that might be the door that you're going in. And so I tried to give him a lot of time looking at the building. There's going to be an orientation. So for new parents, I always suggest going to that orientation, meeting the teacher. Sometimes they'll give you like a schedule. And so just having a lot of familiarity with the building and the surrounding can just bring a little bit of comfort Mm -hmm. to that first day, that first Mm -hmm. drop off which may be a lot. Yeah, I love that. Driving by the school and talking about it and talking about some of the exciting things that'll happen in the classroom. Um, and this this goes for all, like all grades, right? I mean, kids are nervous to go to any grade, I think. I, I remember the excitement and anxiety I felt and even in high school. The first day oh, outfit. Oh yeah, that was a big deal. <laughs> remember the like, we probably went to high school around the same time. Do you remember the like chunky, like ball necklaces? <laughs> Those are coming back. What is that? What is happening? Everything I wore. Everything is coming back, right? Uh, all the sweat and tears I went into trying to afford the shit back then. And now it's like all back in adulthood. Whew, crazy. So how about school has started? And we're, I don't know, a few months in, maybe even a year in, and and the kid is struggling and still having behavioral challenges and maybe not, but what are some things that I can do at home to continue to foster this relationship with my kid to help their behavioral challenges in school? So one thing I think is kind of fostering the homeschool connection I hear when I'm listening to podcasts or YouTube videos, I think something that I feel that our school does really strongly is we make strong connections with families and that continues throughout their time in this building. So say your your son has been having some difficulties, but you continue to establish regular communication with that teacher, that's showing that you really care about their well-being at school and that will be reciprocated. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm on the phone with parents every day and I know that so much of their time and their thinking is to make sure that their daughter or son is in a good place, not only academically, but emotionally. Mm -hmm. So I just want to urge parents that teachers want communication. They just might need a little bit of grace in in getting back to you, but they want to be part of that. And I think as the year goes on, don't give up. If you have a worry about your child, you need to advocate them. You are Mm -hmm. their biggest advocate. Mm -hmm. That's what I was going to ask you next. So say I'm, I'm worried about my kid and some of the behaviors I'm seeing at home and 
who do I call first? Who do I talk to first? And then to kind of go off of that as an as a counselor and as an educator, how do you tackle and handle these situations as far as like looping in the parent and keeping the parent in the loop and coming up with a plan? Um, I think that from a parent's perspective, without any educator like experience myself, I have this fear of judgment, right? And I think parent, all parents do. Like you fear like, oh my God, my kid is is the trouble kid. My kid is doing this and that. Like what, what do you do for parents? First, tell me how to parent, who do parents call? And then what do you do for those parents that are like, what do I do? And just kind of explain the process at your school as far as like, I basically just want people to know that they're not being judged, even though we feel like we are, right? Uh, Yeah. And even as someone who works in a school, I feel the same way. But as a parent, if I feel that my child is having needs at home and these needs are probably very similar to what they're exhibiting in school, my first point of contact is reaching out to the teacher and sharing my concerns. Mm -hmm. If the teacher, because sometimes to be honest, Maybe they're having these behaviors at home and they're able to flip the switch, which again is socially and developmentally appropriate. And they are doing amazing in school Mm -hmm. because I just... That's what my daycare says. My daycare is like, oh my God, your kids are angels. And I'm like, oh, well, can I have some of that? (laughs) And that I think shows how much they love and adore you because we always say, it opens up and people act this way in front of people that they trust and care about. Mm, they feel the safest great. with. Yes. My son does great in other settings, but when he is sometimes home with me, he lets it all out and that's okay. Mm. But if a teacher is saying, yes, they are having these same difficulties at school, they will reach out to their support team. The mm. first step is that you're probably going to hear from either a school psychologist or a school counselor And they can set up some sort of meeting. So we have like an initial family meeting. It's not even an IEP or a 504. Let's all sit at a table and let's talk about the concerns that you have. Now that we have these concerns, the school identify, okay, we're going to try this intervention. We're going to try this. And if that doesn't work, then we'll move on to the next step, which might be behavioral or, or social testing. Maybe they're going to go talk to a psychologist. Maybe they are going to do some um, screenings to see what else could be an underlying issue. Mm. And just a question, are these resources available for free for families through the school? Because that's another thing. Like I grew up with a single parent working three jobs. There's no way she could afford like a counselor or a therapist or whatever. Um, so I just want parents listening who are like, I, I can't, I don't have, to, I don't have time. I can't afford it. I just want to hear like school, are schools offering these resources to all families? And unfortunately I can't speak for all schools. Mm-hmm. I know that in Rhode Island or where I teach right now, we offer programs and have opportunities for students who have these needs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think something where education is missing is that this is not available to everyone. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you see a lot of gaps, right? Mm-hmm. When you are coming, you have a, a different financial um, ability 
then you are receiving different services, which is a very big injustice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just from my own personal experience and just talking to educators throughout this process, it sounds like that even if you can't get exactly what you need, it sounds like the school system, especially the teachers and the educators in the school are willing to go for bat and help you find the resources that you need. So just like really want to highlight to my listeners here that talk to your teachers. And if you don't feel heard by the teacher, go go to the counselor. Is that who you go to next? counselor, talk to the people in the school. There's, there's some, there's a bad egg everywhere. I'm a nurse and I can tell you there are bad nurses. There are bad doctors. There are bad teachers. There's there, you know, I just want people to know that not everybody's bad. If you don't feel heard by one person, that doesn't mean that the next person won't listen. Right. And I would just echo that. Don't stop trying. Yeah. You are your child's biggest advocate. And so maybe they do have a bad teacher in first grade, Mm -hmm. In second grade, if you still have these concerns, reach out to the principal, reach out to some sort of administrator to make sure that your concerns are being heard because they are five, six, seven years old. They cannot Mm -hmm. communicate these things in the same type of wordage or um, clear clarification that we can. Mm -hmm. I think it's parents have a really big job. Yeah. And I also want to echo that the more open and willing the parents are to to these resources puts judgment aside. Like I've heard, I have a really good friend who does, I think, a very similar job to you. She's telling me sometimes parents are like, no, this isn't true. This My kid doesn't have this. My kid's not autistic. My kid's not this. My kid's not that. And I think this the moment you put all that aside and just accept that your kid is fine. Like they're just neurodivergent. Like we're all neurodivergent. I just want to echo that. And as soon as you accept that these resources are available, I feel like you're just setting your child up for success and just like your whole family life up for success. I don't think there's any shame in asking for help for your children um, because the sooner that they feel heard and have the guidance on behavior and different challenges, I think that that's when they thrive. I couldn't agree more. I think for the most part, right? You always said there's going to be like a bad egg. Teachers do the job because they care and they want to see what's best for your child. Um, and so I think we are, it's a team effort. And mm. so don't give up and and work with the school to help your child. Yeah. I feel like teachers and nurses are like the same breed, except one doesn't mind blood. Right. <laughs> and like nasty poopy stained things, right? Like, oh, I mean, you guys probably deal with poopy stained things too. But that's literally how nursing is too. Like the nurses are the people that are going to go for bat for you. And I think that that's exactly how teachers are. Very yes. sound, very similar. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole, I would love to hear where we can find you. Say a parent's like, oh, I don't know. I need a little bit more resources. I want to talk to Nicole. Maybe she can guide me. Uh, where can we get a hold of you and find you? So I will send you my Instagram. It's just Nicole underscore Burke. I am going to be posting a lot more about social and emotional activities that you can do with your children. And if you go on my Instagram, you might be able to see a fun lunch bunch that I have. Um, We do games and activities every day. So it might be a really good idea to see some activities that we do at school that I also do at home as a mom. Um, So keep your eye out. It could be really fun. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nicole, for this chat. I thought it was amazing. 
You're so welcome. I'm so happy to be here. It was, it's an honor. Oh, what a good episode. I love it. Even for parents who have the perfect little kiddos or you don't think they have any behavioral issues, I think it's so important to hear that all of these resources are available. And if your child does have behavioral challenges that might be temporary or new or maybe old and getting worse, maybe getting better, it's good to know that we have resources. It's good to know that we have educators that really care about our kiddos. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you leave a review, follow on socials, and come back next week.